Hey, good morning, everybody. We are so glad you're here with us. This, this has to be my favorite Sunday of the whole year. I love it. I love it so much with that. My name is John Ray. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church, and we, uh, we are so glad that everyone's here. Promise you we're going to keep it short with all the kids in here. Uh, we've got a lot going on today. But let's take a moment on this third Sunday of Advent. On the third Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of joy. Um, the French theologian said, joy is the evidence of God's presence among his people. And so today we celebrate that presence with joy. And if you would, say with me, as our call to worship, we're going to say this three times. And kids, you did so great, but you're really going to help your parents this time, all right? You're going to help them. You're going to be excited. So this is what we're going to say together. We're going to say, rejoice, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And we're going to say that three times, all right? So you ready? Rejoice, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. <laughs> for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Rejoice, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen and amen. Pray with me as we get started and dig into the word. Lord Jesus, Abba Father, God, the Holy Spirit, we are so grateful, so full of joy that you have come to us, that you are with us, and that you will come again. Thank you for everyone who's here today. Thank you for your word, which stands eternal, that we can learn and live with. God, thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray that we would experience that in a new and fresh way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I remember, I don't know what y'all want for Christmas, kids, but when I was a kid, the thing that I wanted was a Red Ryder BB gun, right? We've all seen the Christmas story, so we all know what that is when I was a kid. Here's the problem. I got one. Now, the problem with that is this, that just a couple years before, my dad had taken me out hunting, and I had shot a real gun. Now, the real gun wasn't a toy. I didn't, I didn't have dreams about, you know, fighting the bad guys and, and riding the range with a real gun. A real gun was a, was a real thing. It was a tool that we used to hunt with. The Red Rider, the BB gun, that was the gun of my imagination. That was the gun where I was going to take on the bad guys and do all the stuff with. But then I got one. Now, has anybody ever fired one of those in here? Okay, it is a weak BB gun. I'm just going to tell you right now. Like, it's not, it wasn't even as good as my grandfather's pump pellet gun that I used to shoot, right? So I finally got this thing, this thing of my dreams, and then the first time I shot it, after shooting a real gun and shooting actually even a better BB gun, it was horrible. It was just this big letdown because I knew I had experienced something different. Now we're going to see the same thing happen to the people of Israel. All this season, 
we've been seeing how God was taking the people and how the people wanted to be like the world. They wanted a king. They wanted a temple. They wanted to look like the rest of the world. And God, even though that wasn't his plan, said, okay. Okay, I'll give you a temple. Okay, I'll give you a king. Okay, I'll give you these things. But the people, when they got them, they used them for their own selfish ends, and they didn't use them the way God wanted, and they were ultimately taken away. The temple was destroyed. The people were taken into exile. And while they were in exile, they longed and they prayed. And uh, Emily, if you put up, the, put up the words here, I'm not going to read every word, but the story today comes from Ezra, where they were in exile, and King Cyrus, who, who defeated the Babylonians, he allowed some of the people to go back and to rebuild what we know as the second temple, the temple that was there when Jesus was alive. And so they went back, and, and King Cyrus encouraged the people to go, and he, and he encouraged people to give gifts to them. And the people went back, and we read in Ezra, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, about how they rebuilt the temple. But a very strange thing happens at the end. And if you go to that very last slide of the scripture, of the text, it says this. It says, many of the priests, the Levites, and the leaders, older people who had seen with their own eyes the former temple while it was still established, were weeping loudly. And many others raised their voice in a joyful shout. People were unable to tell the difference between the sounds of joyous shouting and the sounds of people's weeping. For the people were shouting so long that the sound was heard a long way off. They got what they wanted. They got their present. But those who had seen the temple before had seen Solomon's temple. Those who had been there together when everybody was there, when all the people were there, they didn't rejoice. They wept because of that. Praise mixed with grief. What was it that the older folks knew the younger ones didn't? What did the younger folks see that the older folks couldn't? What was God showing and saying to his people through this incomplete and partial fulfillment of God's promise? Because that's what's happening here. The temple is smaller, and it also, it's not going to last. We know that. The temple is going to be destroyed, and it has never been rebuilt. The people were still scattered. This return from exile wasn't everybody who left. It was only a handful, a remnant who came back. And once they got back, they had to share their land with other people. The text says that they were, they were constantly in conflict with other people. We see that still today, this incomplete fulfillment. So what's the lesson? The lesson is what we need to learn now in this Advent and forever, is that God will not allow our hearts to rest with anything other than God's self. God will not allow our hearts to rest with anything other than God's self. See, sometimes God frustrates us by not letting us have that other thing, that thing we want instead of God, that thing we want. He frustrates us by not letting us have it. He says, no. Other times, God frustrates us by letting us have it. 
by giving us what we want. That thing that we want other than God, God lets us have this. God says yes. But in both those things, we will not find peace. We will not find joy. We will not find contentment if it is not God. Never will the relentless love of God abandon us to our idols, our ideologies, our ignorances, or our anxieties. We can shut our ears and God will not stop speaking. We can shut our minds and God will not stop giving us questions. We can shut our hearts and God will not stop loving us. All this past season in our scripture study, we've seen God's respect for the selfish, idolatrous desires of his people. He will not ever, ever force himself on us. God will never force himself on us. God refuses to fit into our boxes, refuses to play the idol. God has, and God will also never abandon us, never give us, give up on us, but meets us in the rubble of our pains, in the mess of our painful, of the painful consequences of our disobedience and brokenness. God ultimately takes our suffering as his own. God will never abandon us. And God will never let us be satisfied with anything less than God's presence. In the end, the answer that God gives, the only answer that God ever gives, the, God that, the answer that God was preparing for millennia is Jesus. That is God's answer. It is not Solomon's temple in all its glory. It is not the second temple in its diminished glory. It is not a king. It is not a ruler. It is not an ideology. It is Jesus. Jesus is the only answer that will ever satisfy us. The only answer that God will give us and will continually give us no matter what we ask for. He may say yes to other things along the way because of our rebellious heart, because of our broken world, but he is always going to be pointing us back to Jesus. Jesus is the answer we never saw coming. Jesus is the answer we never anticipated. For some of us, Jesus is the answer we never wanted. But Jesus is the only answer that will ever finally and forever satisfy us. Jesus is the ultimate answer to everything God has ever promised. The fulfillment of God's promise is not a temple, is not a political party, is not a country, is not a ruler, is not any specific ideology. It is Jesus. That is the fulfillment of every promise of God. And be assured, God has done, is doing, and will do what God promised. That is the clear message of Scripture. You see, Advent leads us to the continuing great tearing down, the great letting go. We cannot receive Jesus if we are holding on to other things. We cannot receive Jesus, if we are holding on to former ways of thinking, if we are holding on expecting the temple or the ruler or whatever, 
We cannot receive Jesus. We cannot receive the answer. We have to let go to receive Jesus again and again and again. God is gracious, not wishing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Jesus was not just born 2,000 years ago, but like they said in the play, we need reminding that Jesus is still here. And he will come again if we will be open to that coming. There's an Egyptian theologian that I don't know how, I've never heard of him before, never read any of his works, and from two different places, I saw his, this quote from him that I thought spoke perfectly to it. It says, patience is faith, with, with God is faith. Patience with self is hope, and patience with others is love. This is what brings joy. If we will patiently wait, if we will lay aside our idols, if we will lay aside our longing for what used to be, to receive what is now in Jesus, we will have joy.